0: Too, too big to film.
1: A podcast about how films create economies.
0: This is Melanie. She is a five foot one hobbit.
1: Oh, so, oh my, this is rude. <laughs> this is Adam. He is a six foot two orc. So, <laughs> <laughs> so suck it. Excuse
0: me. It's Adam, son of David.
1: <laughs> well, this is Melanie, god of death. So. <laughs> we watched Thor Ragnarok last night and. Cool. It was an experience.
0: (laughs) It was beautiful. Um, I had seen it before, but Melanie had
1: it. I hadn't, and I had no idea what was going on, and I loved every minute of it.
0: You know, what's funny is that we're not talking about that film today.
1: No, we're not. Um, Today we're talking about an old favorite. Uh,
0: Classic.
1: The Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Legend tells of a ring created by an ancient evil that gave its wearer the power to enslave the world. Believed lost for
0: centuries, it has now been found. So, disclaimer, I watched this film like like twice a week, like from the ages of like 9 to 14. Oh my god. So I like, I really like Who Are The Rings, you guys. Like, I'm a big fan. Well,
1: disclaimer for me, when I was in high school, I would have a lot of trouble falling asleep and I had this film on VHS. So I would put it in as my fall asleep movie because the beginning was so slow and long. And by the time they got to the Shire, I was out. So Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring is the first part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, which, is, which are based on the books by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, it was directed by Peter Jackson and this one came out in 2001 and it features a lovely score by Howard Shore. 아, I, yeah. love, I love those moments when they're like running and it's like It's like
0: so exciting. Okay. Give us a little smell. Okay. The Fellowship of the Ring is basically a story about An evil ring that the hobbit Frodo must uh, take to Mordor and destroy with his band of wonderful fellowship members. Um, And, you know, hilarity ensues. Things happen.
1: I have a main question that I've kind of had my whole life.
0: Okay, what's that?
1: What does the ring really do? (laughs) (laughs) Because there's all these abstract, and I think this is going to be a good focus, because there's all these abstract sort of um, connotations. Like, it's the ring of power. But what does it, and this is more of a rhetorical question. I don't necessarily want a hard answer right now. I just want to know, how is the ring shaping our system of
0: wealth? Well, okay, so I think what you're getting at is something that I thought about, or I think about, or have thought about for years and years and years. Okay. Which is, what is the system of value within this economy? Yes. And why? And so I think the, the thing that, like, i kind of, like, said to myself, as I've watched his film before, and all three of them, um, is, I guess, The Ring... The thing about The Ring is that people, everybody's like, oh, like, if I have it, I can wield it, and I'll have the power. But the whole idea is, like, well, only Sauron can wield it. So, like, nobody else can use that power. And my understanding is that it just makes Sauron a superhuman being. So, like, it makes him, like, take human form and more powerful. And technically, Sauron, a little bit of Rings lore here, Sauron is of a similar race to, like, Gandalf and Saruman. do not listen to this podcast and be like, well, they didn't read the footnote on page 154 <laughs> that explained this. We're only talking about the film.
1: And, like, because we just didn't read the footnote, so you're right.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: This is not the podcast you're looking for. Yeah.
0: So so that's the thing is, like, I, I think that the ring, to get back to, like, the ring as, like, a source of, like, economic power, mm-hmm. I think the ring is more of, like, a it's like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a relic? Mm-hmm. Like, so it, it, were you know how like in medieval times they had relics and they ascribed a certain power to them? Mm-hmm. But like within this like mystical fantasy context, the relic is only able to be wielded by Sauron. Right. And it just is like almost like a poisonous thing to the rest of society. And there's also sort of this idea that like, The ring has a mind of its own because, like, it was forged by Sauron, so, like, it favors Sauron in a way, and so it's always trying to get back to its master, which is Sauron. I think that the ring isn't necessarily something that has exchange value, which is difficult to understand in this context of, like, these very well-created economies within, like, the system of Middle-earth.
1: I want to come back to that because I'm confused about we'll a <laughs> more of the creation of rings, but sure. I'm interested in what you're saying about these being different lands um, where these communities have decided to coexist. Yeah. Because I think that that's most exemplified in the Shire. Yeah, and you know, you get a lot of the Shire in this film. They take forever to get out of the Shire in this film. Um by the time they do, all they can talk about is going back. And, um but it's you know it's interesting because like obviously it's agrarian, like you pop uh-huh. in and you're like, oh, this is like kind of just like a well-to-do farming community. But they don't really seem to have a lot of contact with the outside world. They're self-sufficient uh-huh. and they're not really like having it. and it's also in their value system, like they're like, let's not go out and adventure, like, oh he's a weird wizard, we don't really like him because he came in and changed things up. <laughs> So I'm just like, it's interesting because then it almost becomes a pull in the film about like, I don't know, like the pull between staying within that sort of system of like people being free and happy and self-sufficient and then like how do you deal with other lands and then like, you know, in this situation it's more of like Sauron's trying to take over, but then they go to Brie and it's like, kind of more of a, like, gated, it's a
0: little more urban, you know? So I think it's it's helpful to think about the context in which Tolkien wrote the books and then, like, how that is created within the films. So um, the books were written from 1945 to 1955, and I think a lot of what people talk about when they talk about the books is how that's sort of the Hobbit's experience mirrors, like, the experience of... Um, of British people during World War Two, in that did The
1: Hobbit come out
0: like 27? I don't think so Oh The Hobbit did Yeah But I don't But The Lord of the Rings
1: Oh okay Sorry No it's because you were I was just
0: Did I say The Hobbit? Yes Oh I'm sorry No it's okay The Lord of the Rings <laughs>
1: Yes Lord um, of the Rings was then like wait yeah because I was looking this up because I was like what does this mean? Yeah. So. <laughs> what are we really commenting on? Exactly, and
0: so. Um, right. So the experience of World War Two. The experience of World War Two and this idea of like, oh, like Britain is just like a like um, a country of like of farmers and shopkeepers, and, right. and that was like one of the, the big things about World War Two was like um, Britain was really reluctant to get involved when all these other countries were being invaded because. They're like, oh, we we'll just keep to ourselves, and that's a similar attitude that the hobbits have to the rest of Middle Earth. Just
1: eat like a lot of food and tea. <laughs> I mean,
0: when it's there, like, like that's the thing too. Is like, I, it's, it's like a beautiful bucolic sort of uh, environment, and so I think that that's really striking when Frodo is like, oh, damn, like this whole thing is threatening the world. I have to go save it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing that's interesting is, um, and not necessarily believable, is that each of these individual little fiefdoms, so like the Shire, or like the areas where the elves live, so like Rivendell and Lothmorean, and then like the Mines of Moria, and like there's all these different places, but it seems like, it's like people know that like halflings, or like Shire folk hobbits exist, but like, it's not like there's like dwarves going into Hobbiton all the time, you know? So it's very interesting how like insular they are.
1: What's cool about this film is that it's trying to just make a bunch of locations make immediate sense to you. And in a way they're all, and I think that's just kind of like the simplicity in a really complex world and story, is that everything feels a little one-note. Like the Shire is supposed to be like everything good and like in a specific way, it's like bountiful. And then you see they have like so much food everywhere all the time. And like it's an economy based on birthday parties. And like <laughs> all they do is like, you know, farm and hang out and eat like six meals a day. Um, and then you go to like Rivendell. Is that where the Elves live? Yeah. yeah right? Well,
0: it's one of the places, the Elves I know. Life, yeah. They
1: have like so many houses. And I'm like, can you guys just like stay in one place? But um, they have... Rivendell, which is all like gold and like it feels very like Renaissance, like almost um, you know very artful Mm -hmm. and almost like high academia. So you're like, oh, this is like a sophisticated society. And then they go to the mines, and it's like everyone's here is dirty and like salt of the earth. And it's what I think is so cool is it just like creates these really like different areas. But what I'm always wondering is like, how are they connected? Well, physically, because it seems like we're doing a lot of walking everywhere, mm-hmm. and also like how are they, um, you know, like, how do they normally interact with each other? Like obviously uh-huh. they made like an alliance to fight in the war against Sauron, like back in the day. Yeah, but like, what is that feeling now? Like everything feels very separate. And like no one feels caught up with each other, no one's publishing news. Like Gimley didn't even know that like his whole family had
0: been murdered. For
1: and for like years. That was not like
0: fresh bodies. Yeah.
1: Um, They've been gone a while.
0: You notice that like Peter Jackson tries to wink at those relationships within the dialogue of the film. So you get the sense that especially once they get to Rivendell and they're all meeting in the council to talk about going to Mordor to destroy the ring. Right, I
1: was like, is this like an emergency council? Is this like a normal committee meeting? Yeah, well, <laughs> I got the context. sense it was emergency. Yes, exactly. Um, but, I'm like...
0: but I think the thing is is that they keep to themselves, but each of them has sort of their own little histories within the context of the film. So something you notice if you have watched the film a lot is that like elves and dwarves have a particularly... Um, like tenuous relationship and so that's like it, it's almost a commentary on like like the integration of people of like, different types of people into like a setting and like coming together yeah at, like in world war Two and having to like fight a great evil quote unquote.
1: absolutely it's such like a you know especially this film is so focused on like how do you create this kind of like Disparate alliance mm-hmm. and like there's struggles and challenges and like you see that they all come from different backgrounds Like you know, mm-hmm. especially in the between the dwarves and the elves like yeah, you know, one is kind of like a higher Class mm-hmm. that you know that thinks they're kind of better than I yeah. the dwarves And I think it's cool that that's super reflected in like how they live and you can exactly. get a sense of it in the production design and sort of the world building
0: part of the the creation of all these different races, and then also having humans involved—is humans are the audience self-insert. Yeah, I think that really, Aragon is the audience self-insert.
1: You never see where they live, really. like you know what I mean, like humans. Yeah. Or, I mean, do, I can mean, do we in this movie. I don't remember. Um,
0: I mean, yes and no. I think that we have a context, like at the beginning of the film. Gandalf, You don't know this, really. He goes to Minas Tirith, which is, like, the setting of the last final battle. Yeah, I
1: was like, whose library?
0: Man? <laughs> yeah, he goes to the library. Gandalf's
1: like, what's He goes to the there?
0: New York Public Library. He's like, I gotta check out
1: all these books.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he's reading, like, all his history. He's, like, writing a bibliography, and he's like, I'm gonna bring he's this like, back to Frodo. APA style. That's at Minas Tirith, and so that that's a, a human place, but I think that's part of the, um like, the guiding of the audience to identify with Aragorn, because you're supposed to self-insert as Aragorn, and then, the thing about Aragorn is, like, he goes through a journey throughout the three films of realizing that he needs to, like, take control, because he is, like, the heir to the Throne of Gondor, and the Throne of Men, and, um, and basically, he has to, like, take responsibility for the world and men need to take responsibility for the world and gather these people together to fight the great evil. So so this gets to a, a central question that I've always had, is like, what economic sense do these orcs make? Because-
1: The creation of workers, you mean? <laughs> well yeah, the
0: creation of the orcs, because like, the orcs don't seem to have a um, like a, a society, You know, Mm -hmm. they they don't have, they Mm -hmm. sort of blindly follow Sauron, and they're born, like, full-bodied.
1: Watching it again, it looks like they're digging up bodies and, like, reanimating them in this, Uh like, primordial soup situation. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because it, you know, then it's implied, like, this isn't a community that's going to thrive. Like, once Sauron's done with them, they can just be, you know, left to die. Uh And they can just be continually respawned, so in a way they're just kind of these pawns. So they don't need to have a community. I guess the most important question is, do they need to eat? Do they need, you know, if they're following blindly... Yeah, so they must need to eat, so he needs to amass those resources. But they're not asking for payment to fight.
0: They're not
1: asking because they're kind of like... In a sense, they're kind of like similar to Force to like the zombies on The Walking Dead or something, where they're just like a matter of decay. And this is a theme too that I thought was really interesting. Um, when you watch the movie, there's a lot of um, visual allusions to like life versus death, and like Gandalf talks about death a lot. And you know, you're in the Shire, and everything's super bountiful. Like you know, Bilbo's house, there's like apples uh. everywhere, and like just so much food and life, and like kids everywhere. Every shot you see, everything's green, blah, blah, blah. everything's great. It never rains. Um, but then, when they're on the road the first time and they're first leaving the Shire, and the ringwraiths are like coming after uh-huh. them. That, that's what they're called, right? They're not yeah. the mentors. Um, they're like, um, and they're hiding like under the tree. Uh-huh. You see, when like the ringwraiths are like, all like the bugs come out of the earth. Yeah. And, like all the like mm-hmm. decay is like suddenly like noted. And even like, right in that scene preceding it, they see like mushrooms. And yeah. So there's like all this great like illusions to kind of like. Sauron's forces not only being like destructive and evil, but also just like unnatural uh-huh. and almost like this like rotten force. And of yeah. course, that's like super like heavy in like how they describe Mordor as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's a terrible swamp. It's like the Florida yeah. Panhandle. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of uh, death. Everyone gets lost there. It's like the woods of New Jersey. Oh, it's my... just like everything bad and. Yeah, I just felt that. So that's why, that's how I think about the orcs, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, and, you know, it has an element of fantasy, so it's then hard to relate yes. to like, how does this exist in the real world, but I think it's also how you have to think about an enemy mm-hmm. a lot in a time of war yeah. in order to not be conflicted with the morality of my like, killing other humans. You know what I yeah. mean? That's what makes it such, in a sense, of black and white narrative. And a very beautiful, intricate one, mm-hmm. but, you know, a very clear divide of like, this is good, yeah. this is evil, and we have a thriving, wonderful economy, and they are just. Everything bad. and Anything yeah. real. Well, the other
0: thing that you just reminded me of when you talked about that, um, which I really think underscores your idea, is that, I, I don't remember if it's in this film or a later film, because they all run together in my mind, but there's a part where they talk about the orcs, and um, and I think it's Gandalf who's like, well, they were elves once, and they were like mutilated, basically. And so, this resurrection thing that I think that you have this idea of resurrection is that, like, these were elves who were tortured and, like, enslaved to fight for Sauron. And then it seems like they were probably resurrected. And so they've had these multiple, like, cruel, horrible life experiences Mm -hmm. that have shaped them into this, like, evil fighting force. And so I think it's interesting, too, because it's sort of when you take it to back to like the world war Two like meta-narrative it's like oh so this is like the treaty of versailles like you know what i mean like, like
1: yeah like, it's like these people are like this because they've been so they've had such like trauma and like have uh-huh. lived in such so in a sense it almost is like a failed economy that they come from yeah they come from sort of a society that was oh that's yeah that's really that's an interesting way to think about it it's like a deep yeah, yeah. but i think
0: your resurrection thing is right though. Yeah. like like cuz they that's they, the they have to find a way to like survive and sustain mm-hmm. without dying and part of that is becoming like sadistic like human beings mm-hmm. or not human beings but work yes yeah the
1: ring wraiths yes When i was watching it i was like okay so what what is their what is their political position and like uh-huh. how are they being paid? So, you know, I that was my first question when they came on screen again and I was like, I guess they're kind of like an agency. Like are they ice? Like they're just coming in like <laughs> you know, give me the ring. Like it's
0: <laughs> oh <God>. like <laughs> Well if you notice they're the they're the kings that were right. given the original rings.
1: But then they go into being the kings and I'm like, okay, so they're being paid with rings, but rings are not a currency. So how are they again brings you to this question do these people own property? Like, how are they living? Are they, living? Well, I are they think... eating food? Do they need money to survive? Or are uh-huh. they just like these beings? I I understand kind of where the elves come from. Uh-huh. I understand the dwarves. Like, I understand everyone everybody's on the good guy side. Yeah. But then you get to the bad guy side, and it's like they're just running around being evil. <laughs> well,
0: that's the thing. I think that there's a problem within the economy where, um, where I understand it from the perspective of like, like they're sort of being paid quote-unquote in like the currency of power like like they exactly. they crave that power that the rings that Sauron made for them provide and so they they serve Sauron because they want to keep the ring because they crave that power and so that is almost like their payment but then also but then the question that is, is like is... <laughs> that is like meshed and grafted onto the economy of like a regular feudal society
1: exactly like what does power look like in this world because mm-hmm. I haven't it... 'Cause Frodo, like, the, the hobbits have a great life. So yeah. wouldn't that be like the Middle Earth dream? Exactly. Like, as opposed to the American dream. Oh well. That's the comment I'm making. Um, yeah. you know, wouldn't that be the dream? And then you have to wonder, like, I need like a good film on just like what's a ring rates day like? Like what does he wake up and do in the
0: morning?
1: Does he have <laughs> a dock short. Does he have does he have a wife? Like, does he have kids? Is it does he want these things? Or is he just like is he a, a career guy? Like, is he just... And that's what it seems like. Well, I
0: think it's implied.
1: <laughs> but, like, what's... He's what's a workaholic. The, but what, you know, is he just the workaholic who needs a girl to come along into his life and show him that, like, he can have love, too? Like, who is the Manic pixie Dream Girl of Middle Earth? Is it well, Zoé Chanel?
0: <laughs> so, I think that... Is it Galadriel? Um, I think it's kind of like Arwen a little bit. Especially in the later films. But yeah. to get back to your point, I think that, like, the the idea of the rings of them getting the rings from sauron like it made them like dismiss the rest of their lives you know like like it made them give up like their wives and their children and their families and their kingdoms right so that's and serve why it's him. Like evil yeah but i think that like and this is going to get to like my really heavy critique of this is like what is the origin of evil
1: oh <laughs> so this is just your like philosophical section. well it's
0: philosophical because I think that like in our society like evil evilness is like construed with violence or like associated with violence but violence is often caused by like economic factors so like you want like people within like countries do horrible heinous things because they want control of the economy and they want power and they want wealth right, right. um but like Sauron it's it's like you said like Like, it doesn't seem like Sauron is trying to, like, take over the world and make, like, a Hobbiton for himself and a shit place for everyone else. He's just trying to make it all shitty.
1: Exactly. And it's like, why? Like, what does Sauron gain? Unless he's just truly this, like, evil lord that you can't really put into context of, like, the normal world.
0: Well, I think that that's a lack of character development for Sauron. Oh, I, sure. I, I think that like that that's the thing is that like, he shows up and he's just like this man inside a mask and you and he's just like whacking people with this big cane. and you're like, okay, but I don't get it. Like, I want to know like why he is the way that he is. And like of course like when you read the books, you get more of a background on his like on who he is from like a um, like being standpoint, but you don't get a sense of like oh, this is what he's gone through. This is his, like, his... Tr- the tragedy of Sauron. The tragedy of Dark Plague just the wise.
1: Oh, no. Um, <laughs> the tragedy of Saruman. Yeah. That's well, who tells the story. I guess so that that scene is with Gandalf. Yeah. Like, Listen. But the Gandalf is way smarter. Oh, my God. And okay. Gandalf's too
0: pure. And he's
1: not taking the bait. He's like, I am knighted. <laughs> <laughs> I am Academy Award nominated. Sir Eon
0: McKellen will not be swayed. He, he, he just
1: does not have time for this shit. Yeah. For this shire and then ring. he's like,
0: I'm gonna leave, and then Sauron closes all the doors, and he's like, because I'm not gonna leave. And then leave. he sits
1: on his like apartment with a rooftop view. I did want to bring up a different point from earlier. It doesn't necessarily relate to that. But what I thought was funny, what I was saying before, that all the communities are so sort of disparate, I'm uh-huh. like, will the ring give us any sort of um, infrastructure here? Because it almost seems like... When I, I was joking about this, but you know, Frodo puts on the ring and he's somewhere else, and I'm like, okay, that's great transportation. How do we, how do we give this to everyone? Well, well, not, I know mean, he's not really going somewhere else, but that just made me think about it. I was like, okay, everyone's taking horses or walking. Like, mm-hmm. that's really what this economy needs.
0: <laughs> well, I think that like the, the interesting thing is that like the the flashback to the battle at Mount Doom, and then like going to today apparently, like, 500 years later, there has been no development.
1: Yeah, it's like, that's why I was always confused. I was like, did this happen last week?
0: (laughs) Which I feel like is supposed to be an allegory because they've been fighting this great evil and it's very similar, like, when you think about, like, this great evil in Europe of, like, squabbling amongst themselves. And so I think that, like, the idea is that if they can get past this thing with the ring, they can move forward as societies and develop. And And so they it's been like a stagnant economic development for many many years
1: yeah that makes sense I like that explanation also did you notice in the one scene I never noticed this before um, I can't remember like it's, it's one of the scenes when they're in the woods so of course you know exactly what I mean. Which there are you, a lot of those I, you know exactly which one I mean um, <laughs> there it's it's one of those and they um they're all like walking around in the forest. And all of a sudden, in the background, it was these big sculptures of these giants. And I was like, are those supposed to be the ones that um, Bilbo met in The Hobbit that turned to stone?
0: oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Oh, my God, I remember that scene. You know what it's I like, mean? It's early right? on, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's pretty early. They haven't gotten to like anywhere significant yet. Yeah, yeah. And they're all just like talking, and it's one shot. And I was like, oh, like that's really cool. Where are they now? Look at those structures. And I was like, it doesn't look like they're in mm-hmm. a society that would have built them. And then I remembered, and it's brought up in the film, too. You yeah. don't have to have just read The Hobbit uh-huh. to know it. It's like, and you they hear Bill telling the story. Yeah, they like,
0: three monstrous trolls.
1: The light came and he turned into stone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he has a New Zealand accent now in my interpretation, <laughs> but you know what? Let's let's roll
0: with it. I mean, but that's a really interesting like Easter egg. I wonder I, if they. I
1: that's what I like about this film is that uh-huh. the production is not. It's like very well thought out. And it, yeah. as much as this feels like a confusing, it feels futile, and simultaneously you don't know the values of the ring. Uh-huh. You do get kind of like a sense of a whole history that has existed mm-hmm. and will continue to exist. Like when they're like, oh, this is the old watchtower. And I'm like, who's watchtower? <laughs> who left it? Why aren't they watching it? By the
0: one who watches?
1: <laughs> I mean Um But yeah, I just thought that was cool. That was just something I wanted to bring up. That is really cool. Um I guess yeah going forward, you know, it's the quest to destroy the ring. What so we're hoping so implied by this film, destroying the ring will not only Allow us to, you know, not be taken over and killed by Sauron, but will allow the Shire to continue functioning, as it were. We're allowed all these communities to continue functioning, but also to hopefully come together and build better mm-hmm. infrastructure, which is perhaps a parable for the EU.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow, that that's that's deep.
1: I mean, I'm only here for the deep thought. I'm only bringing the real, the real
0: thoughts. I mean, I think that's that's true in a sense of like European. Um, like common european cooperation and i wonder if um if sort of like it, it, it's almost like in a weird way like make britain great again oh no <laughs> yeah yeah like but
1: that's such an isolationist policy but, but i guess it is what the hobbits want yeah it's kind of
0: like and it, 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 i think that's like what tolkien wants you know
1: oh so he would have been pro-brexit
0: I don't think he would have been pro Brexit necessarily. I think he would have been like, "Oh, I want us to like take our place of like leading Europe," mm-hmm. which I think Brexit is like a place of cowardice of like not leading Europe.
1: But I think, but the Shire's not really leading Europe.
0: I no, mean, not leading <laughs> Middle Earth.
1: <laughs> it's certainly not leading Europe. But uh, it's, you know, not leading yeah. Middle. You get the sense that they're forgotten about. That's maybe true. more in the context of war it's more rather than the context of like the greater Europe Yeah. As a force I don't know, that's how I read it more that they want to be mm-hmm. more isolationist um, but maybe post, maybe post that great evil they can move past that
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting like and this is something that I think we should get into in the other two films, is like who are the Hobbits hoping to become? And like, and what 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 are the individual Hobbits journeys?
1: What's the dream of the Shire?
0: Yeah, what, what what's the Hobbit dream?
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope if yeah. you're a true Lord of the Rings fan, you weren't too offended. And I hope if you're a casual fan like me, you had fun.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um Like this podcast on your social media. Subscribe. Subscribe. Leave us some comments. Apparently that's yeah. helpful, that's what I've
0: heard. Um, Yeah, and I think I think you should go get yourself some eleven seas too. Oh, okay. Some second breakfast. Oh
1: man.